Welcome to Uplifting Impact. So wonderful to have you here with us again. Thank you so much for tuning in. Today we have Mr. Torin Ellis with us. And Torin is a diversity strategist. He's a published author and a workplace issues host of Career Mix on Cyrus XM, where he discusses challenges and progress regarding career progression, diversity, and I love this. I love this so much disruption. He uses his platform and he uses his work as a consultant and a strategist to assist clients in optimizing their recruiting efforts using a collaborative approach built on transparency, objective clarity, actionable strategy, and rigorous performance monitoring. And he's on the podcast with us today. I'm so glad to have you here with us. Thank you so much, Torn, for making some time. Absolutely. And let me tell you, I show up a little bit differently than a lot of practitioners in our space. And you alluded to it in the introduction, but it's extremely important that people know that for years, I actually ran an agency. Like I'm the guy behind the scene, putting the Boolean string together, the guy that's making the cold call into organization A, B, or C, snatching out that talent and introducing them to another phenomenal organization. So I don't come to this practitioner work. I don't come to Sirius XM radio. I don't write a book or author my podcast. I don't speak around the world because I'm an academician or a person who's read a bunch of blog papers. I'm doing all of this work, A, because I absolutely love people, and B, well, because I know what the hell I'm doing. And I really, really appreciate that. One of the things that we try to focus on on the podcast is working with people who are doing the work because it's important. And I think there's really important places and spaces. I am so grateful for the academics who come to this work. I'm so grateful for the practitioners. I'm so grateful for the people who are the policymakers. And what I always tell people is it requires a lot of different, you can't flow the way I do. I can't flow the way you do. And so it requires all of us to take our different skill sets and bring them to the table because that's how we get the most work done. That's what diversity and inclusion is all about. It's about the formula of bringing that collective, those unusual, unsuspecting and unfamiliar minds together so that we can pursue a common goal, a common mission, a common outcome. And so it really is about colliding all of these various talented individuals and saying, We could do better because we have this and you don't. That's right. And one of the things that you put, and I, I like really honed in on this statement. So I'm going to, I'm going to throw it back at you because I want you to explain it. One of the things that you said in your overview and your LinkedIn profile is you said you take love and process and those are at your core. And I really want you to explain to our listeners. I have a sense of, because I've been following you and really respect your work, what you mean by that. But can you explain that to our listeners? What does it mean to take love and process and work from that core? Yeah, absolutely. I say two of the most powerful words in our lexicon are love and process. Deanna, if I love you, you don't really question whether or not what I said to you is of advantage, of your benefit, Mm -hmm. of protection. If I love you and I tap you on the shoulder or the arm or I push you out of the way, you're not necessarily looking back and saying, well, why did you tap me or why did you push me? Because you know that I love you. We have a common connection, kinetic connection. If you don't know that I love you, then you got to process. Why did Torrance say what he said? Mm -hmm. Why did Torrance push me in the way that he pushed me? 
why did Torin encourage me in the way that, why did he say something that was unsettling to me? I got to process that. Right. And so what I say to people, and I've, I've come to this conclusion because doing DNI work has been challenging. I've been in this space for quite some time. And I've had a number of unsettling conversations with white women, with white men. I've had some disruptive and unsettling, uncomfortable conversations with black women, black men, with people with disabilities. I've held to account people that are on the LGBTQ spectrum. I've talked to provosts and presidents at colleges and universities, CEOs and C-suite leaders. And I have this this thing where they got to understand it may be very direct. It may hurt. It may be uncomfortable, but you'll never be able to say that it's not true. Mm -hmm. I operate in truth. So you got to understand that when I come to you, I'm coming out of a great deal of love for humanity. I can't tell you how much I love people, but the exact 180 of that is how much I despise racism, how much I despise the microaggressions, how much I despise how people have had to cover inside of their community and inside of their corporate corridor. And so I'm here for one reason and an unapologetic reason. I am going to adamantly shift the narrative around diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. So you have to know that I'm showing up because I love the work that I do. I love you. And if you don't know that, then just process what I'm saying to you. And if you know that it's true, shut up and listen and do better. (laughs) So I appreciate how, how you just, how you just talked about that, because a lot of what we will often talk about on this show is the idea that you have to get people into the right place before you can do this work, because it is work that is going to touch people's heart. It is work that is going to talk about things like love. And even though those are not maybe normally, you know, the kinds of conversation that we have in corporate environments, if we don't start from that place and build that kind of trust, then a lot of these things will just fall. They, they won't be sustainable. They won't grow. So I say all the time, Deanna, that, you know, the bottom line is we talk about culture. Right. It's a beautiful phrase, a beautiful word, sounds great. But I remind people that we start inside of our circumstance before we get to your corporate culture. We Mm -hmm. wake up in our condition before we get to your culture. So if I'm not really addressing what, what it is that you are waking up in, your circumstances, your condition, then how in the world is it that I'm able to live out that phrase, that familiar phrase of bring your whole self to work. Right. Like if I'm telling you to leave aspects of who you are at the door, if my employee policies are admonishing or minimizing aspects of who you are as an individual, then am I really allowing you to bring your whole self to work? And so, sure, I focus on building high performing teams, but I don't do that absent of or ignoring the fact that I really need to make sure that organizations, people understand that DNI work is really about humanity. It's, mm-hmm. it's about being better humans to me, to me. There are some out there that argue with me and say, well, empathy and emotional IQ and those aspects don't, they don't contribute to capitalism and to the bottom line. 
I tend to not even argue with them and just simply say, well, if you want to be less human, your choice. I'm going to operate with a high frequency of humanity and empathy and EQ, because I know that if I can tap into and touch that part of who you are, then I'm really going to allow you to bring all of that to the workplace. And as a leader, that's what I think is is extremely important. So that's one uh, really interesting component, right? Because you're right. We throw this word culture around all the time, the corporate culture, the company culture. We really want culture fit, right? That's a real problematic one. But how, when you're going into an organization, how do you, through all your experience, how do you assess like what the culture is? Because one of the things that we find a lot in this work is that people say, this is our culture. And then you walk in, you spend like five minutes and you're like, these are not the same things, right? What I'm experiencing, what you said and what I'm experiencing are very, very different. So how, what's your process that you use to like assess what a corporate culture is and if they're actually ready to do the kind of recruitment and retention that you do? So if you haven't been able to tell by now in the 10 minutes or so that we've been talking, for me, parhesia is important. For those listening, parhesia means frank speech. So I'm not a person who plays around with trying to make things sound good just because. I'm not a person who's going to placate, make you feel good. If you bring me into the organization, I'm there for frank and real transparent speech. So the number one thing that I do is listen. Mm. I ask questions that I know are going to get me to or close to the truth. A condition of progress is to allow those that are suffering to speak their truth. I'm asking questions because I want to get as close as I can, Deanna, to the truth. Second thing that I do is equity and inclusion assessments. We just ask a variety of questions to make sure that people are feeling the brand, living the brand, that they are living in that particular moment, that the culture really is protecting and providing them with the support and the resources that they absolutely need. And and if, in fact, we find that there's a mismatch in what's being portrayed on the corporate website versus what's being surrendered through that that questionnaire, if you will, then we got a problem. And that's not a problem that we can't overcome as long as we have leadership that's genuine and authentic. If we have a problem and we bring that problem to leadership and they kind of swoop it under the rug, as so many organizations have done over the last 10, 20, 30, 50 years, well, then you're working for the wrong organization. So talk to me a little bit about what happens when an organization is really successful. So when you, you know, you do that, you ask the questions, which I love. And I love that you said, the first thing you said was listen, right? You listen, you ask the questions, you give the recommendations to the leadership. Tell me what it looks like when a successful organization, like what, what do successful leaders do in that moment when you're like, hey, what you got on the website and what you got here? Two different things. What do they do? What, what are their actions? Yeah, I think first, well, I don't want to put first because that's every, every engagement is a little bit different. And, and I've been doing it enough that I've seen a variety of them. Okay. There's periods of revelation. You know, Deanna, where folks are like, we didn't know it was like this. Sure. And, and I'm I'm asking, well, well, how didn't you know? You know, why didn't you know? Did you not listen to the signals? Did you ignore the signals? Let's be honest. You know, at, because if you didn't know genuinely, awesome, we can deal with that. But if you ignore them and now you're at a point where you can't ignore them, 
I want you to acknowledge that. I want you to be honest about that. So, so we see a, a point of revelation. We see a point of, wow. So, so the, it's still revelation, but it's more of, wow, like, like the birth of a new baby. It's an addition, like, if we could only address this, if we could only do this, and we can do it like we say we want to do product roadmaps or service roadmaps. Like imagine right now, you and I, we are engaged using technology. Try doing this over AOL dial-up in 1999. Impossible. Impossible. So, So for a lot of people, it's the revelation of if we could do this, then how much more can we do? So we've seen so many, we've seen people who have been reticent. When you reveal it to them, they still say, whatever. They still say that pursuing DNI is a lowering of the bar, mm. a mediocrity statement. And I look them dead in their eye and say, how would you be so disrespectful? How would you look at me, black man, and say that pursuing DNI is a lowering of the bar? I'm not getting ready to argue with them because I got a mean streak inside of me. So I'm I'm not going to argue, but I am going to make them justify how pursue, because then what I will tell them, Deanna, is, so what you're saying to me is that you've never hired a mediocre white man. And I'll wait. Because I'll pull the exit interviews, I'll pull the attrition reports, and I know I'm going to find a bunch of whole, I mean, a whole bunch of mediocre white men, a whole bunch of mediocre white women. And the biggest benefactor of DNI efforts have been white women. So when you ask me, what have I seen? I've seen HR departments have to capitulate and acknowledge the fact that they haven't done a great job of taking care of their people. Yeah. They've done a great job of taking care of the company, but not the people. So when I come into an engagement, I am going to force you through love and process. You got to take care of the people. Yeah. One of the things that we always talk about too, is that a lot of times when you get to that, that, you know, Hey, uh, we have to lower our standards in order to diversify. We have to do this and that. Well, then if you ask one simple question, and this is what we found in, in our work, right. In the, in the companies that we've worked with one simple question, what are the standards? What are the standards? that most often people don't really have a very clear definition of what the standards are. And so even without, you know, calling them out or doing anything, just saying, oh, okay, well, show me what the standards are and show me how you use that in past and how you plan to use that in the future. And now evaluate this candidate again, try one more time and tell me whether or not you actually come up with the same result. And it's so interesting because in that very, very, very simple exercise, one question. It's not even like 10 questions. It's just one question. And I'm saying this for our listeners too, because I think this is a really problematic uh, area where people will say, well, we can't lower our standards. Like the assumption is that having diversity, equity, inclusion somehow does that. But those two things are not, that is not the, they are not, uh, they are not the same thing. Right. And oftentimes we can just say that and then it's like a clear, it's like a clear streak. We don't have to worry about it. We, we're not going to get called uh, to the table to answer answer any more questions about it. But that one simple question, being that one person in the room to say, explain to me what the standards are. And if you have a candidate that's already in front of you saying, can you please demonstrate to me like why this person doesn't fit that standard? 
Can you give me an example? Something they've said, something in their resume, something that uh, you know that 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 you know from their past work history. Something that really justifies it, not just a gut feeling, because your gut feeling is the one that got us in the situation where we don't have any diversity, equity, and inclusion. So let's not rely on that. Exactly. Let's look at some standards. Exactly, and you know, again, and I would say a, a portion of that pro, a, a portion of correcting that process is having that check and that balance. Mm-hmm. And some would say, Deanna, that even over the last 10, 20, 30, 50 years, we've had the check and balances. There have been a number of examples where there have been multiple people evaluating the candidate mm-hmm. and they arrive at a decision that this particular person is not a great fit for the organization. So I would even say that it's important for us to disrupt what we consider to be a check and a balance. You got to yeah. disrupt every aspect of DNI at every value point inside of the organization. So DNI does not only sit with talent acquisition, not only with onboarding, but it's about evaluating it at corporate social responsibility, corporate governance, board governance, supplier diversity, finance, and development, yep. finance, every single Technology. value point, Everyone. every value point in the organization. So diversity and inclusion to me has never been about lowering the bar. What it has been, Deanna, is about adding efficiency and efficacy to the work being done. That's right. In many ways, it actually makes your work more stellar. I mean, it makes you have to go through, if you're doing the work right, then you're actually going through the process of evaluating. Are we staying true to our mission? Are we staying true to our core values? And that's really hard work and it's ongoing work, right? But it's that that challenge. Well, I am just so incredibly grateful that we actually had the chance to to talk about this. I can feel your passion coming through. There are people who are listening and there are people who are who are going to be watching this uh, podcast. So for those of you watching, I'm sure you can see it. And those of you listening, I'm sure you can hear it. Uh, your passion for, as you said, humanity, not just diversity, equity, and inclusion, but the highest level of this, which is humanity. So I'm just grateful that you're that you're doing this work. I'm grateful that you're willing to have those courageous conversations and you're also willing to create the pathway forward for other people to engage in them. A lot of times I think people bring uh, you know, us into, into the work because somebody needs to say it, but they can't necessarily be the ones to say it. And so it's it's nice uh, to know that you're adding you're adding your voice to those to those conversations. So thank you so much for being here with us today. A voice of agitation, Deanna. Thank you for trusting such. Oh, absolutely. And so what we want to do is make sure that uh, people who want to be connected to you, who want to learn more about your work, who want to see all the fantastic things that you're doing out in the world that they can get connected. So can you tell our listeners what's the best way to do that? So you can do... Uh, at Torin Ellis across all of social media, whether it be Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, or Facebook, at Torin Ellis. And one thing that I'll draw your attention to is I recently did a film festival with Skill Scout out of Chicago. So I would love for you to go to the Instagram or the LinkedIn page, find the link for Humans at Work. Humans at Work. Deanna, when I say I love people, I love doing incredible events different events, events that highlight and center people. 
Fantastic. So we will make sure that if you didn't catch it, that all of that is in uh, the show notes. We want to make sure that we're continuing to support you and to support your work. So thank you for being here. For those of you who are listening uh, to this episode, please share. We want more people to engage in the conversation. We have so much to learn from one another. And this is an amazing platform on which to do that. I know I always leave these sessions having learned something and we want to make sure that we're offering that up to other people. So please invite a friend, come back and listen uh, to the next episode, share this episode so other people can hear some of this amazing wisdom that we were given today. And thank you again, Torn. We will check you all out in the next episode. Remember, we believe here at Uplifting Impact, the more people that are doing this work, that are engaged in this work, the more impact we can have on the world. See you soon. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.